Hello, and welcome to Leadership Stories with Dr. Mary, helping leaders lead with their best life story. I'm Dr. Mary Mkandawiri, medical doctor, now turned leadership consultant, and a lifelong lover of great stories. Each week, I combine my passion for great stories with my passion for great leadership to bring you inspiring as well as actionable tips and strategies to help you love your life, lead with impact, and transform your world. Thanks for joining me today. Let's jump straight into your weekly dose of leadership stories. And as usual, joining me for a conversation today is my producer, Yami. Welcome. Yeah. yeah. So good to be back. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, thank Wonderful you to that be you here. Did not kick me out. I'm really <laughs> excited. Not at all. <laughs> to be here. Uh, yeah. It's amazing to just hear your heart. Uh, for, mm. for other leaders and even just mm. to share your own personal stories so other people can learn and grow from them and know that even their stories matter, you know. Yeah. So really, really excited yeah. uh, that we yeah. can do this again and Wonderful. really looking forward to today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, today we have a question Great. from one of our listeners and our episode is entitled, It's Not Risky When You Know Why. Yo, Uh I like that, I like that. (laughs) Okay, so Uh let's listen to the question that we have, and it's from Edith, who's based in Canada. Hello, Mary, this is Edith Sumanji, and I'm speaking from Canada, and I do have two questions. Uh, My first question is to learn about your journey. My question would be, what is the biggest risk that you have taken? And, of course, what was your win that made you confident that you were doing the right thing? And my other question would be uh, to get your advice. How did you set yourself apart from others who wanted the same what you're doing? And my third question would be, uh, how are you going to reach to people in diaspora like me? I know that you're reaching out to us through this podcast and Spotify, uh, but what about if we want to see you face to face? And Are you thinking about you know, doing the Zoom meeting? Thank you. Edith. Hey. <laughs> great question, by the way. Yeah, great questions from Edith, right? But yes. we can only take one in this episode. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's, so, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. So I want to tackle the question about risk. Mm. Yeah. What's the biggest risk that I've taken? What is the All biggest right. risk you have taken? The biggest risk that I've taken. Because I think we should also mm. add in to mm-hmm. your title of coach as risk taker as well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what is yeah. the biggest risk you've big, taken? But first of all, I just want to frame it a okay. bit differently. Okay. Okay. Because a lot of the times when we think about risk, mm. we think in terms of what we do. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That if I do a certain thing, if I step outside my comfort zone, yeah. if I do something that's different from what other people are expecting, doing, yeah. yeah, then that's the risk. The risk yeah. But I want us to think about risk um, in this way. Okay. I want us to look at risk in terms of it's risky when you don't do something. It's You're taking a risk when you don't do what you know you should do. You're mm. taking a risk when you follow the expectations of other people, even though you know in your heart that you're supposed to be doing something else. Wow. All right. And you're taking a risk when you don't follow your dreams because huh. it means leaving the safety of conventional wisdom. Yeah. When you know that you need to be following your intuition down an unknown path instead. Wow. Yeah. So you Mm -hmm. are taking a risk Mm -hmm. when you are following everyone, basically. Exactly. 
Yeah, but we usually look at it the other way, that it's, you know, a risk if I do step out and do my own thing. Wow. But it's a totally different story. So basically, if I follow my path, that's when we normally talk about, oh, I'm taking a risk. Mm. I'm doing something different. But what we don't see is how risky it is when we're following everyone. Mm-hmm. When we're just doing, oh, as a man or as a woman, this is your path. Mm-hmm. As a Malawian, this is your path. As an African, this is your path. It's almost like we're stuck and we don't see it. Yeah. We're like yeah. in this box that we have all created together by the help of our fears and other things. And like, exactly. This is yeah. where you stay. Yeah. I like that about the, the fear. Mm. Yeah, the fear creating a box that so, keeps you boxed inside. So, yes, that. so you mm. want us to start looking at that. And I think that's liberating mm. as well. Can you just yeah. uh, unpack mm. that a little bit more yeah. so that we? I move my brain from, <laughs> you know what I mean? I like that. Literally like, my brain is like, what is she talking about? It's making so much sense. Yeah. But <laughs> unpack it a little bit yeah. more for it me. It is a bit of a paradigm shift. Okay. And let me unpack it because this is leadership stories, right? So let yes. me unpack it with please. a story. Yes, please okay. go for it. So I want to tell you the story of... Jeff Bezos, okay, the founder of Amazon. Amazon, uh-huh. yeah. It is a story that actually made me stop and rethink this whole concept of risk. Great. So, in the spring of 1994, Jeff mm. Bezos was 30 years old and he had a dilemma. Mm. He was in a well-paying computer programming job on Wall Street, and mm. his work was interesting with great prospects, but he had come across something highly unusual that had started him thinking. He'd noticed a new thing called the World Wide Web, Mm. and it was growing at a rate of 2,300% a year. And he thought, things just don't grow that fast. What kind of business plan might make sense in the context of that growth? Mm. So he approached his boss at the time with the idea of leaving his job to start a company selling books online. And after a two-hour conversation, his boss said, that sounds like a good idea, Mm. but it sounds like it would be a better idea for somebody who didn't already have a good job. Yeah. Yeah. So his boss persuaded him to, you know, just think about it for 48 hours before you make a final decision. So Bezos went away and he, you know, grappled with this this decision. Do I leave the security of my job? Do I go after this dream? Yeah. Do I give so, up what I have now? Yeah, mm-hmm. what I have in my hand for that yeah. thing that... I have no idea how it would turn out. You know, the uh-huh. unknown, right? Yes. The fear that you were talking about mm. just now. So he says he used what he called a regret minimization framework. Huh. So he projects himself forward to age 80. And he wanted to minimize the number of regrets he would have looking back on his life. And he says, I knew that when I was 80, Mm. I wasn't going to regret trying to participate in this thing called the Internet Mm. that I thought was going to be really big. I knew that if I failed, I wouldn't regret that. But I knew the one thing I might regret Mm. is not ever having tried. That would haunt me every day of my life. Having to never tried was yeah. the greatest regret. Mm, that he knew he would have wow. if he projected himself back, you know. So he said after that, the decision was easy. He left his Wall Street job and he left in the middle of the year. So mm. he forfeited his annual bonus, which mm. was quite hefty. And then he borrowed a car from his dad. He didn't even have his own car. <laughs> he moved across the country with his wife and they actually wrote the business plan for Amazon.com mm. along the way. And well, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. 
Amazon.com is the largest online retailer. It is the second largest retailer in the whole world. And Bezos is number one on the Forbes list of billionaires. His personal wealth estimated at 143. billion US dollars. I mean, I don't even, can't even conceive, you know, those That's kind of ideas, crazy. you know. But the interesting yeah. thing is we're uh-huh. in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, right? Yeah. Jeff Bezos' net worth has surged by 24 billion US dollars in the period of this coronavirus pandemic because everyone's at home. Yeah, everyone is using the internet. Online, Amazon. And this all happened because Jeff Bezos took the risk of leaving the security of his job to follow his dream. And looking at Amazon.com right now, it wasn't a risk at all, was it? Yeah. Not in terms of money, in terms of the impact that he's having on the world today. Mm -hmm. The risk for Jeff Bezos would have been in not going after his that dreams. That is so true. That is right. so true. Like if he had just stayed mm. without jumping the sheep, maybe yeah. if I to use that word. Because, yeah. you know, probably his boss was right in some senses. Like, hey, man, let's mm. keep what you know, keep what's mm. working and mm. sustain and grow in this industry and become the boss later or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And you look at him choosing to go and pursue what he felt like was unprecedented. Mm -hmm. That was an incredible thing for him to do. And now Mm. a lot of the things, even some of the gear right now Mm. we're using, we bought them on Amazon. Exactly. (laughs) I'm like, thank you for taking that risk. Some years back, man, this is brilliant. Oh, wow. I love that you've said that because often we're thinking, when we're thinking of risk in terms of doing something yeah. we're actually thinking in terms of self-preservation That's right so true. yeah in that terms of so self true. in terms of me the impact on me yeah. but imagine if he hadn't mm. taken that so-called risk what about you That's so true. I, I don't even know if you're even born in like I, 1994 come on, right I, I, was, <laughs> I was right then riding my bike and doing some stunts so I should have been he's doing. having an impact on people <laughs> yes. who are like years later yeah right just yeah. because he took what other people would have perceived to be a risk. Yeah, yeah. which actually brings me to this mm. thought of you also took a risk to become a leadership coach. Like we mm-hmm. wouldn't be here if yeah, you having this, did, having this conversation. Yeah. Can you just share a little bit more about mm. that as well? Okay. Yeah. So I like I like the story of Jeff Bezos because he's actually my age mate, right? <laughs> so finally, <laughs> finally you have right? revealed your age. <laughs> This is yeah. cool. Okay, so 1994, he was 30. I was oh, also 30. Great. He was born January. I was born in October. So he's a little bit older than I am, right? All right, yeah. So at that time, he was making the decision to leave his job and start Amazon. And I was also making some life-changing decisions that brought me to where I am today. Right. And I think that's really key for the millennials listening, the 20-somethings, 30-somethings. Mm. Mm. Because at that time, I didn't realize that the decision that I was making was changing the whole direction oh, of wow. my life. And sometimes we don't think about that. But mm. the choices that we make can just be one choice which takes you on a totally different wow. direction. So even when you're 20-something, 30-something, just think about the decisions that you're making and yeah. choose wisely. Wow. Yeah. So for me, in 1994, I was a recently qualified young doctor working at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. Um, I'd married my high school sweetheart. He was also a doctor. And the yeah. year before, that like we'd married the year before, and we had, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we had our lovely daughter in, in, in sort of 1994, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so everything was going to plan. I had this plan when I was in medical school. I was going to graduate. I was going to get married, have a child, spend five years specializing in obstetrics and gynecology, have another child. And basically that's as far as my plan went. I don't know, maybe millennials nowadays have better plans than I did. I certainly hope so, right? Yeah, yeah we definitely should, but you, we won't talk about it You now. won't talk about it right yeah. now. No confessions right. for nope. you, right? No. Nope. <laughs> so anyway, December 1994, my husband traveled to the UK to specialize in orthopedic surgery, and I followed with our daughter a couple of months later. Yeah. And I was going to take that opportunity to specialize in obstetrics and gynecology mm. while I was there. Mm-hmm. And that's when my plan, you know, that that deep plan, plan that I had, right? Yeah. It started to go off track. Wow. So my husband and I, we were both busy working and studying and we drop off our eight-month-old daughter at the childminder's house first thing in the morning and then collect her in the evening at the end of the day, give her a bath, a quick meal, put her to bed, and then we'd both be studying late into the night. And this went on for some months. Mm. But then my conscience began to prick me and I started wondering, what exactly are we doing? A bit like Bezos's, you know, regret minimization framework. I projected myself into the future and I thought of my family in five, mm. 10, 15 years time. Yeah. My husband and I were both so focused on our careers. Mm. Both of us were doing these surgical specialties that need so much of our time and our yeah. energy. And with both of us so busy yeah. building our careers, who was mm. building the family? Yeah. We had little time for each other, even less time for our daughter. She mm. was spending most of her waking hours being cared for by someone else. Mm. So who Whose values was she picking up? Wow. So I eventually decided that I had to set aside my plans of becoming an obstetrician and gynecologist. Mm. And I went into public health instead, which is more family friendly. Mm. And you know what, Yami, when I say it now, it sounds, oh, yeah, I just decided no more ONG, go into public health. But at the time... You know, I wrestled with that decision and I literally, I cried and I felt as though I was giving up all my ambitions, all my hopes and my dreams. And Mm. I was risking everything to become nothing Mm. because the perception, you know, I was told that obstetrics and obstetricians and gynecologists, they're needed, they're essential. Whereas public health physicians, they're a dime a dozen. Mm. I remember one of my husband's mentors actually commented that. Public health physicians, you know, they're so common, whereas orthopedic surgeons, like my husband, they're scarce and I guess more important. So I held on to that dream of obstetrics and gynecology for three more years after Mm. I knew I had to let go. Mm. And until finally I had the courage to release it. Wow. Yeah. There's so much (laughs) in that. Um, Mm. I just want to ask maybe two questions um, around that. That delay... Mm. Um, when you knew you needed to do something about it, mm-hmm. it took you three years before yeah. you could even take up that decision. Mm. And I think there are like a lot of people that know something is not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to change. What was different with this situation that mm-hmm. made you say, I'm going to stick in or mm-hmm. I'm going to get out? Like what was the moment for you mm-hmm. in that process to say, Okay, there are other moments you can be as an individual as a, or mm. as a leader or as a father or as a son, a mother, a daughter, where you're like, mm-hmm. um, this is hard, I'm going to endure. Mm. Where other situations can be, this is hard, I'm going to walk away or change plans. Mm-hmm. And you changed plans. Yeah. What was part of the processing for that for you? Mm-hmm. That's why it took 
three years because mm. it was a process. Mm. I kind of knew it in my head, yes. but then accepting it in my heart, wow. that's what took so long. So mm. it was kind of this fight mm-hmm. in that I know this is what I need to do. Yeah. And then so some days I'd be like, okay, and I start pursuing the other route, but then I'd be like, no, yeah. I kind of... So yeah. it was this back and forth. Mm. I don't know what the actual moment mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. A part of it, I think, is also because we're in relationship. Yeah. So one of the things I think was also getting buy-in mm. from my husband mm. because that was huge yeah. because, you know, we're married and we have all these plans and we're doing this. Yeah. And then for somebody to all of a sudden change, mm. that was the other thing that I'm mean, not only disappointing myself, which yeah. I did feel I was disappointing myself, mm. but then also him, the expectations that he has. And then there was also, like, I was the first woman to graduate from College of Medicine. Wow. So I had all of this all that kind weight. of, yeah, that, you know, so what am I going to do with yeah, my life? What and, am I going to say to the next women yeah, graduating? You know? Wow. <laughs> so there was a whole weight of that's, stuff that's on crazy. me. Yeah. And I was kind of, the delay was in the other people's expectations. Mm. What do other people think? What do other people say? Even my own expectation, my own ambition that I want to be this and I want to be this. So that's why the three years. Mm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, but I feel like sometimes it's important to actually go through that process Mm. than to ignore what you're feeling and Mm -hmm. those questions and those doubts. Because when I feel like when you are, on the job doing something and you mm. haven't dealt with the doubts and the fears and those mm. kind of things, mm-hmm. they can delay your progress or yeah. even yeah. Uh, stop you from really giving in all your heart in something that you should have been doing uh, mm. with that. So I think mm-hmm. that's an incredible thing I'm learning from. You gave yourself that almost like three years to grieve Mm-hmm. the dream you had uh, before that's exactly what it was when you say grieve, grieve. yeah because yeah. yeah. i did talk about actually <laughs> crying and there was a grieving process to yes. it yes yes wow mm-hmm. so i said i had two questions mm. and you talk about values for your family as mm. well in that process that mm-hmm. which was like a really important thing for you can you just mm-hmm. encourage the mother who's like hey i still want to spend time with my kid I encourage the father who's mm-hmm. like hey I want to still take my kids to football or all these other things mm-hmm. so we instill values why was that important for you mm-hmm. looking back now a few years yeah. later not a few like a few decades later <laughs> watch it never mind the decades right? yes yes <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. you know my values um shifted mm. my values initially yeah was I valued education. Mm. I valued status. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That was what I was valuing. Wow. And that was what also made me delay in terms of making a different choice because yeah. I valued my education. I mean, I have four degrees, university yeah. degrees. Yeah, and like... that has always been, but that's always been my identity mm. because I've been an A student and in my family, it's like, wow. not just in family, in school, that was my identity, that I'm the intelligent one, yeah. I'm the bright one. I'm yeah. the... So moving away from that, mm-hmm. it was like I was leaving aside something that I had identified with for so long. Wow. But my identity and my values shifted. Mm. That was why, that is why this whole, you know, I, when I mentioned that my conscience began to, yes. to prick me and I started realizing, just my eyes opened that 
gosh, you're pursuing this career and this status and everything, and yeah. yet you're neglecting your family. Mm. And it was that shift. Mm. It actually happened because I had a whole transformational experience in my life. Okay. What, yeah. what was that? <laughs> <laughs> I met the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. I became a born again believer Jesus. in Jesus. And mind you, I've grown up in church. Okay. Always been in church. I mean, mm -hmm. I think a lot of us in Malawi kind of grow yeah. up in church and you go yeah. to and fro coming to church. Yeah. And I thought I'd had a born again experience when I was around 12, mm -hmm. but maybe I didn't quite understand it. Yeah. But it, so it took when I was in my early 30s. Mm. That's when I really experienced the transformation and wow. I really met the Lord. And that's why all my values shifted. I mm. say it's my my why shifted. Wow. The reason why I do what I do in my life changed completely. Wow. I was no longer pursuing my own personal ambitions, my education, you know, status, money and what have you. Mm. That completely changed. So my values now are I do whatever I do mm -hmm. because of God. Wow. That was the shift wow. that happened. So your why mm. changed, mm -hmm. therefore what seemed as a risk. Mm was no longer carrying that same heavy load because your identity was no longer in the things you could have achieved mm -hmm. or the respect you'd get because of the degrees and stuff like that. Yeah. Now your why is God, mm -hmm. and that God invited you to take certain steps, and you did. Yeah, and now actually the risk actually became different. Mm. The risk now became that God is inviting me mm -hmm. into this new journey. Mm -hmm. And if I don't yeah. do this now, that's where the risk oh, is. That's deep. Now I know mm. there are a lot of people that are listening now mm -hmm. uh, that are like, yeah, I get your journey. Mm -hmm. um, I get how I can look at all these things I've called risks, mm -hmm. to no longer be risks. But this moment of why, yeah, how do I navigate in understanding what is my mm -hmm. why? What are the questions I can be asking? Yeah, And and I know you have an actual course on that, which yes. I would really encourage our <laughs> listeners to check mm -hmm. out. Mm -hmm. um, but, but for someone who's just like stumbling at this conversation for the first time, what would mm -hmm. you say? Mm -hmm. And you're right, I do have a course because this is... Um, it's intense. It really changed my life around. And I, I've been coaching for some time. And as I was coaching, I discovered that lots of people are in that place where they are trying to get clarity on, you know, who am I? Why am I here? What is it that I want out of life? Yeah. And that's why I kind of decoded my process that I, I went through. I know mm. you can't completely, but it's just yeah. something to help people along. And it is just getting the answers to those questions, getting clarity on mm. the who am I and what is it that I want mm. out of life. Mm. But, you know, you can answer those questions. And if you're answering them, mm. um, for me, outside of, of faith, outside of a relationship with God, it can take you in directions which yeah. <laughs> you, you actually don't want to go. Yeah. So that's why I say, for me, the foundation always is, mm. you know, you need to have that relationship with God. Yeah. But regardless of that, we are... Um, whether we're in relationship with him or not, we are made in his image. Mm. And I believe he created us. He created us for a purpose. And it says the gifts and, and calling of God are irrevocable. Yeah. So when he sent you here into this earth, mm. you have that calling within you. And yeah. if you quiet yourself enough, that calling is still there and it does call you. Mm. So there are ways that you can decode it. You know, what yeah. are the things that um, you're in terms of your personality? Yeah. What are your things? I mean, I talk a lot about being an introvert. I know yeah. 
my friend here is an <laughs> extrovert, <laughs> you know? Those aren't yeah. mistakes. God yeah. created you that way. Yeah. The things, there are your passions. What is it that you, you love to do? Yeah. You know, just naturally, what is it that you love to do? Yeah. What is it that you're good at? Mm. What comes to you naturally? What are mm. the things that are important to you? Mm. I mean, those are just some of the questions that people can start asking to kind of... Um, raise your awareness as to your identity to your calling to why it is that you're here yeah 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 that's that's really great so as we are wrapping up you said it's not risky when you know why mm. jeff bezos has changed the world in a lot of ways and how mm-hmm. we do business and how we get things yeah there uh, but not everyone's dream in mm-hmm. the moment looks like a jeff bezos dream with all that's going on in the world right now what is a loving thing to do in a season? Yeah. I think you mentioned that the dream might not look like a Jeff Bezos dream in the moment. Even yeah. for Jeff Bezos, it didn't look like a that's Jeff true. Bezos dream in the <laughs> that's, moment. That's true. Even for me, when I, in the moment, yeah. I didn't have some huge dream or whatever. Mm-hmm. It was just that I knew that what I was doing mm. wasn't working. Mm. Mm. It wasn't... Um, living with integrity. It wasn't the best thing for my child. Mm. It wasn't the best thing for my family. I didn't project forward in terms of, I'm going to achieve this and I'm going to achieve that. What I did project forward was uh, just my family. What is my family going to look like? And I think um, sometimes we don't need to have these huge uh, technicolor dreams or whatever, Mm. but we just need to live with integrity in the moment. And we're all growing and no works in progress. So just do the best that you can. Yeah where you are and we keep moving forward do the best you can where you are and we keep moving forward yeah that's amazing sure thank you (laughs) well thank you so much and that's all we have time for today thanks edith for sending in your questions and thanks to you all for listening if you have a question leave a voice message for me also leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts and to engage with us further follow the links to my website and my social media so thanks for listening and always remember you were created to love your life lead with impact and transform your world